Hi, this is Roger Joseph Manning Jr., and you're listening to Your Morning Coffee, the podcast with Jay Gilbert and Michael Etchart. Weekly music news for the new music business. From DEMA, music streaming highlights, streaming platforms named top 2022 songs. From Rolling Stone, 23 moments that made us smile in 2022. And from Hypebot, why this video is like an official roadmap to success on TikTok. From Variety, audio engineers have the ears of the artists and now a piece of the project. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. It is 2023. How is that even possible, 2023? Well, it is possible because it's possible. And we are glad you're here. Jay and I are ready to rock in 2023. So let us start the podcast right about now. Stand by for transmission. This is London calling. Wake up! The revolution is at hand! Your morning coffee is on the air. Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news for the new music business. It's the highly curated, agitated, advocated, moderated, and liberated digital music information that you need to know. We are your digital music authority. Now, from our studios in Hollywood, California, here's your hosts, Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. Jay, 2023, it just seems so far in the future, and yet it's here. Here We're we are. Here. Oh my goodness. It's going to be a fun year. Look at all the things we uh, we learned and all the great music we discovered and all the great stuff from 2022. Yeah. Um, I can't believe this is episode 125. Yeah, we are. We are, and wow. you know, I think we've we've mentioned over the years that the average podcast lasts seven episodes. That's right, and yeah. so uh, we're yeah, we're all about consistency here. And, and they just, said it wouldn't last. They said it wouldn't last, but we are again <laughs> as we as we start a new year, we are so appreciative of the folks that tune into us every week because uh, couldn't do it without our groovy listeners. Um, yeah, so we're we are thankful for that as we head into twenty twenty three. But it is. Weird to say 2023, you know, it takes me a yeah. good four months before I kind of have acclimated to the new year name, yeah. just naming it and saying it. And uh, right. Remember when we used to write checks instead yeah, of using just uh, ATM that. cards, yes. you know, it always took me a good month to, you know, I'd always cross it out and write in the new one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. W- without a doubt. And, and what about you for, you know, what, what do you, in sort of not necessarily resolutions, but, but what, what are you, what are you looking forward to doing? Maybe uh, something you haven't done in the past this year? Well, I, it's funny you mentioned that because every year around this time, I'm not big on new year's resolutions, but I do take this kind of week between Christmas and um, New Year's, it's it's usually pretty quiet in the music industry. Mm-hmm. And I like to go through and 
look at the year, look at my clients, look at the work that was done, look at the releases, look at the projects and see what worked well, what maybe could have worked a little bit better and just kind of, you know, do an appraisal of that. And then, you know, for my business, we typically get together at a WeWork, you know, with a whiteboard Mm -hmm. and sit there and do the same thing. And it's one of the most productive meetings of the year, because if you're very honest with yourself, you can see, look, we could have done this thing a little better or look at this, this over, uh, you know, exceeded our expectations. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's been kind of this last week or so has been uh, setting that up. I've got, uh, you know, some new clients starting January one. And so this onboarding is part of that. I'm just super excited. I'm, I'm very fortunate to get to do uh, what I get to do. And I know you feel the same way. And so, you know, um, it's not, it is work, but when you love what you do, um, I mean, I can't wait to get to my desk every morning. I really can't. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it is fun to take stock as you, as you kind of head into new new year. And again, like you said, it's, and, and, and it's been particularly advantageous the way it, it fell this year on the calendar, just with everything with the dates. Uh, and so it's been nice to have the time off and to, to kind of reflect and say, okay, what am I going to do? What, what did I not really get to this last year? What do I want to do in the future? And yeah, you know, it's it's like you said, it's fun to take stock, and it is quiet, and that's what's wonderful. <laughs> it is. I also like to look at predictions, mm-hmm. um, and it's really interesting. Um, there's always surprises, and this this last year uh, in the music industry, you know, if there's one consistent theme, and that is, you know, it, change, and yeah. I think we're going to see that again in 2023. Um, and I'm really excited because there are things you and I haven't even talked about. Um, we haven't really, um, you know, uh, read about yet that are going to happen in 2023. And I'm just super excited to see how things are developing because right now the music industry is so dynamic and we joke around that, you know, it's changed since we've been having this conversation and that's, it's not far from the truth. It's not. Well, and it's, I think the difference too, of this, what we, we kind of call the new music business is not only the change, but the, 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 the pace of change and, and how rapid things change. And, and there was always, there's always been change in any industry. And when we started in the business, certainly there was change, but it's just the, the rapid pace with which it comes it is what really kind of makes my head spin, you know, because yeah. suddenly, and, and we, we will, we'll get into this a little bit more uh, in the future or it, later on in the show, actually. It, but, um, you know, I also think there's just so many things to pay attention to. Um, yeah. That's what's also really difficult now is, you know, we were talking about a lot of these lists that we're seeing and certain songs we've never even heard of that are on people's, yeah. uh, you know, end of the year top song list. We're like, and it's, but it's just so hard to keep up with everything with with the, the flood of information the flood right. of details the flood of trends um and that's and again, the flood of music right and the I flood mean, of music with a hundred thousand tracks uploaded on average every day um that's that's a crazy amount of music to stay on top of and we'll cover the list thing in a second but really quickly um i wanted to mention a few things one uh, npr music sends out this really cool uh, newsletter and this, this last week, I received one, and there was a piece by uh, Marissa uh, LaRusso, mm-hmm. and it was called New to Us Favorites. And it really hit a nerve with me in a good way that you and I talk about all the time. With streaming, 
you know, it's not necessarily about discovery. It's about rediscovery, as Will Page often says, but it's also about discovering things that maybe have been out for a while because of the fact that there's this volume, there's so much coming out that you may have missed. For example, um, in this last year, um, I was really uh, introduced to a few artists that have been around for a while, but for whatever reason, they they didn't fall into my radar. One is Teddy Swims, who I mm-hmm. absolutely love, and did, you know, it's kind of like binging on a TV show that you find. You know, when I discover one of these new artists, you know, well, <laughs> new to me, you yeah. know, like like Teddy, I went and looked up all of his stuff on uh, DSPs, and it's just phenomenal. He's got just such a ridiculously uh, amazing voice, and the songs are you know more hooks than a tackle box. So there was Teddy Swims, <laughs> there was Haley Witters, you know, um, country singer songwriter. We actually had her on the Behind the Set List podcast, and it's it's really challenging for a female artist to break out in country music today. Oh, well, it, today it has been for a long time. It's it's really a boys' club, and it's really challenging. And she's doing it, and she's got uh, everything she ain't, which is a big single for her that's broken through, and she's doing some great touring and collaborations, and you know, it's all about you know, hard work. And then the last one, of course, uh, you know, I've talked about that band ghost who I'd kind of dismissed because of their appearance. They look like, you know, some heavy metal, um, goth. Um, I don't know. It just didn't seem like something I would listen to. And then you start getting into it and it's like Tobias Forge who, uh, you know, is the primary person with ghost is like Tom Schultz. I mean, he's one of these guys that, basically writes and records almost every note and it's musically a little bit more complex and has more layers uh, than a lot of music today. And it's, it's also tongue in cheek. Like a lot of the music I grew up on, whether it was David Bowie or Alice Cooper, you know, or T-Rex, some of these things that had this, I don't know, this more theatrical glam. um, But it was also fun it wasn't mm-hmm. all so serious. And that that's what I love about uh, Ghost and their latest album, uh, Impera. But anyway, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that, this new-to-us favorites, because in the NPR uh, piece, uh, Marissa LaRusso had mentioned some things like Flaming Lips, um, uh, you know, American Head, um, Paul McCartney, Hope of Deliverance, Shania Twain, Come On Over. And that's the other thing, is you and I, we see these documentaries you know, like uh, that uh, Abbey Road one that you turned me on to or like Shania Twain. And then we go and do a deep dive into the music and go, wow, I'd either forgotten about some of these things or I was never exposed to them in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. And and that it's so true. You know, when you when you hear what you think is a brand new song. There's a song by uh, this artist Blake Mills called "Don't Tell Our Friends About Me," which, which I, I guess I, I'd never heard it before, and I thought it was brand new. And it's like eight or nine years old, and it's like, wow, how did I not hear this song eight or nine years ago? Well, because I just didn't hear it. And so, you're right. New to us is such a, a great tagline because it might be new, but it's certainly new to us because I somehow missed it, and it's so easy to miss. If it's things. new to you, it's new. It's in, new, in my, in my humble right. opinion, right? Yes. And I love discovering, and it happens every year. I love discovering um, new music. I had somebody reach out to me a couple of weeks ago. You and I featured Anna Tivill, um, and I had well several people reached out, but they'd never heard Anna Tivill before, right. and it was really cool, you know. Um, that she was getting some accolades, but they're like, where, where has this artist been? How, how did I not hear about her? Well, <laughs> when there's so much 
I hate using the word content, but I will, you know, there's so much content being uploaded every day. Uh, that curation is even more important. Yes, absolutely. Um, by the way, coming up also, uh, we, you and I were talking kind of beforehand, um, Grammy voting is happening. It ends actually this coming, uh, you know, just a couple of days on the 4th yeah. of January. And then, uh, looking forward to the telecast, which is going to be on February 5th. And, uh, I'm, yeah. as we've mentioned, I am newly invigorated to watch the Grammy telecast because the last couple have been just so fantastic. Oh, and over so, the top. I mean, yeah. It, I think it, I think the Grammys ran into this problem a few years ago where it was getting predictable wasn't as exciting as once was and then as you and I have talked about uh, under the lockdown that was they just blew it out of the water <clears throat> that yes. that Grammy performance under the lockdown uh, that show was fantastic and they, they've been killing it since so I'm really looking forward to that um, the other thing in, uh, in your morning coffee this, this week, actually the last few weeks, we, I've been doing kind of this running lists, but it's, um, talk about new to me, um, these best of 2022 lists mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, I'll give you some examples like, you know, the top 10 metal albums from spin or, um, you know, the best, uh, music books from Rolling Stone or the best box sets from paste or, but there's almost 30 of these lists in your morning coffee the last couple of weeks. Check it out because what I love about these is I can't keep up with every genre, every mood, you know, all of this, this stuff. Now I love these lists because I go in and I listen to some of these things and I always find things that I missed. Yep. And it's, it's, I, I love this part of the year, this end of the year where I can kind of go in here and go, Oh, what does Pitchfork think are the 38 best rock albums? And again, this is somebody's opinion, Sure, but there's always things in there that I never heard of that I totally missed. And sometimes I, I discover some real gems. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, it is fun to look at lists, and like you said, it's you're like, okay, I've never, I've never heard of this, and this, as you mentioned, this is something that somebody thought highly enough of to add it in their end of the year list, and there's a lot of us that had never heard of it in the first place. So that's right. It is, uh, it is a good time to get caught up and just kind of, yeah, as, as you said, even though it's somebody's opinion, but it's, it's probably worth listening to. I can tell you that if somebody puts it on a list. So, uh, so it is fun to kind of go back and look and see what happened, and and. You know, there's, again, like everything in the news cycle, there's so many things happening that you kind of forget, oh, yeah, that happened this year, this last year. Um, It could have been four years ago because there's so much stuff coming at us. So it it is fun to take stock. And I do not anticipate 2023 being uh, slower than 2022. No. It's going to be the same. And interesting, I I caught this... this little nugget of information here. Weekly U.S. vinyl album sales break the modern era single week record. This was out of Billboard. More than 2.2 million vinyl albums were sold in the week ending December 22nd, the largest week for the format since Luminate began tracking music sales back in 1991. It's also only the second time in the modern era, 1991 onwards, that weekly vinyl LP sales have exceeded 2 million. Jay, it's wow. 2023. We are talking about... Breaking cra- records. In vinyl no sales. That's right. I mean, think about this. Um, and as I keep saying, I, I never anticipated 
I certainly, you know, I could, I could understand a resurgence because lots of things kind of swing back around sometimes. But to the level that we're seeing it, and again, as we've talked so many times about, this number is probably um, low based on demand because they probably couldn't make enough vinyl to truly right. They couldn't panic. fulfill that demand, no, right? Exactly. And you and I have uh, we've mentioned this, but I think it it's that asterisk every time we talk about vinyl that this could be much more, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, weekly U.S. album sales, vinyl, you know, it's breaking records. What could that have been if we could fulfill all of those orders? Sure. And, you know, the last time I talked to Terry Courier over at Music Millennium about it, um, he was only receiving a, a, a small percentage of the vinyl that he ordered. And he even mentioned that he felt like some of the CD sales were um, unusually high because people would come in looking for vinyl and they didn't have it and they would buy it on CD instead, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which sounds crazy to me. But I've heard from folks in the industry, smart people, who have said that they think that that number is roughly 25% off, that if we could fulfill um, that, you know, conservatively speaking, um, those numbers could be 25% higher. Right. And if you said 50% higher, that wouldn't surprise me. You know, (laughs) right. It is. um, I I mean, it's still going and it's just stunning. I mean, I love I love that it's happening. And I think it is it is a different listening experience and it is a much more active as opposed to passive. And. I just love it. And I'm, you know, and I, we grew up in that era and I'm not pining for the, for the format as much as I'm, I'm pleased with, with the, the way it makes you listen to music. It's, it's different, different, right? It's different. It's a different experience. When you put on vinyl, um, you have to be present and it's lean forward. You can't just lean back and let it play because you have to flip that side. And it, because of that, um, you're more attentive, I think. And I'm not one of those sound uh, audiophiles. I really, you know me. I'm. I love hearing, you know, immersive audio, Dolby Atmos. It it's stunning. But for me, if it's a great song on an AM radio, it's a great song. And yeah. I'm not. I don't. I'm not one of those guys that says, "Oh, you know, I'm a vinyl purist and I have to have a twenty thousand dollar turntable." But I do have my setup here, and I do like listening to to vinyl i like i remember working at tower records and we had to put that vinyl on and just to me it's a little bit more romantic and i also like having uh liner notes you know we talked about ghost impera that comes with a booklet with this beautiful artwork in there and that's one of the things that's really missing from digital music and i know people have tried to do like pdf downloads and things like that and as much as i love that and i love the integration of lyrics and things like that there's just something romantic to me about having that that booklet with images and lyrics and who produced it, who were the sidemen, and all of that stuff. No, absolutely, it is. Uh, it's just so fun. It's just so fun. So uh, more of that coming for sure. And as we start 2023, it is worth mentioning that we have fantastic sponsors that help us put 
this yeah, show on every week, including our good friends over at Bands in Town. Over 74 million live music fans trust Bands in Town to get personalized concert alerts, recommendations, and messages from their favorite artists. It is the number one artist service platform connecting over 560,000 artists with their super fans. Managers, labels, agencies, and artists access their own dashboard to manage and promote their tour dates across all platforms. That's right. And uh, our, our wonderful little podcast here is also brought to you by our friends at Banzoogle. Built by musicians for musicians, Banzoogle is an all-in-one platform. Makes it super easy to build a website or EPK for your music. All the features that you need for a professional website, they're already built in, like hosting and a custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools that'll help you grow your fan list and send newsletters, social media integrations and live support from their musician-friendly team, Seven days a week, your morning coffee podcast listeners can go to bandzoogle.com, try it for free for 30 days. Just use the promo code morning coffee, all one word, and that'll get you 15% off your first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com, promo code morning coffee. And we are also sponsored by HypeBot. Since 2004, HypeBot has chronicled the new music industry and the trends and technologies that are changing how music is discovered, consumed, marketed, and monetized. It is edited daily by founder Bruce Houghton with help from Alana Bonilla. HypeBot and sister blog Music Think Tank are published by live music discovery and marketing platform Bands in Town, which I already mentioned. That's right. And finally, Music Business Association. You know, for more than six decades, the Music Biz Conference, you know, it used to be called NARM years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the point of origin for inspiration, collaboration, all throughout the music business and beyond. So join us in Nashville, uh, May 15th through the 18th for the Music Biz Conference. Yes, indeed. Jay will be buying drinks there. And of course, Jay Gilbert. Who is Jay Gilbert, you ask, in 2023? Well, he is a music industry consultant. He is the curator of the fabulous weekly Your Morning Coffee newsletter and a former executive with Universal Music, Sony Music, Warner Music Groups, and Fox Home Entertainment. And this gentleman sitting across from me is Mike Etchart, longtime host of Sound and Vision Radio, formerly of SST Records, Warner Music, Capital EMI, and Universal Music Groups. Yes, a checkered employment history I have. <laughs> checkered past. <laughs> to say the least. So funny. Well, Jay, what do you say we jump into some of these stories? They are end of the year stories, beginning of the year stories from Dima. Music streaming highlights. Streaming platform names the top 2022 songs. I thought this was really interesting because you get, an, you get a sense of every DSP is different. You would yeah. think that because their emails all look the same. Like if you look at uh, Apple Music, Pandora, Spotify, Deezer, whatever, most of the emails that they send out with their new release, you know, uh, emails, they kind of have the same artists, a lot of them, but the behavior, the listening behavior on these platforms really varies. Um, but before we jump into that, um, if you haven't heard of Dima, um, Dima is really the, uh, the group that represents all of the, uh, DSPs, Amazon, mm-hmm. Apple music, you know, Pandora, Spotify, all that stuff. Their mission is to promote and protect the ability of music fans to legally engage with creative content wherever and whenever they want. And for artists to more easily reach fans and to make new ones. So in, in their statement, they say that they work tirelessly to ensure um, that progress for fans, artists, songwriters, rights holders, and the entire music ecosystem is protected and expanded both today and in the forward and, you know, in the future, sorry. Um, and 
I've gotten to uh, know these folks a little bit, especially um, um, if you look at this this particular piece. Um, it doesn't say who it was written by. It just says uh, Dima. But, you know, we've spoken with uh, Garrett Levin, um, great guy um, over there at uh, Dima. And whenever I have any kind of uh, questions or need to understand what they're up to, he's my, my go-to guy over there. Um, but uh, I thought this was really interesting because they took some of these DSPs like Amazon Music, Apple Music, Pandora, and they list their top 10. And I think we should kind of review like the the top five of some of these things um, because I thought they were really interesting. But uh, yeah, for sure. Let's talk and- a little bit about some of the highlights here. Yeah, well, well, as they mentioned kind of at the top, it says fans showed their growing love for Latin music for a third consecutive year, streaming Bad Bunny, Chencho Corleone, Carol G, and others throughout the year. Latin music and streaming continue to be a powerful duo. And, you know, we've this that has been sort of part of our personal education over the last year, year and a half, as we just, it, it, when you kind of look at the unbelievable power of Latin music, it's always been big. But boy, yeah. it is really, and that is that is interesting. You know, the 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 way streaming has opened the door for so many different uh, music ba- music based in other countries or other territories is one yeah. of the cool things about streaming music now. Is which is how easy it is to find out what's going on outside of your neighborhood, your county, your state, your your country, and and, and get exposed to a lot of really interesting and cool music from around. the yeah, world. Yeah, and we we talk about. Um Bruno Del Granado over at CAA quite a bit because he's really helped us to really dig into Latin music over the last couple of years. And, you know, when you see something like Bad Bunny having a number one album all in Spanish, you know, you know, things have really changed. You know, it's it's about the music, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Music featured in movies, television shows, you know, played a big influence on music charts this last year. And, you know, fans showing their love for We Don't Talk About Bruno, which we'll cover in a second because it's number one on a couple of these charts. You know, that was that song from the film Encanto and uh, the song Enemy uh, from the Netflix series Arcane were popular across all platforms. So you're looking at K-pop, you're looking at Latin music, and you're looking at some of these syncs, you know, uh, music placed in film, TV games, and things like that, that were just massive. Absolutely. And of course, you know, we've talked a lot about this year and last year about catalog. And as this uh, article points out, streaming empowered fans to rediscover music from an earlier era and discover remixes that bring together previous hits and new sounds. You can't talk about 2022 without talking about the Kate Bush uh, song, Running Up That Hill, a deal with God in parentheses, originally coming out back in 1985 and Cold uh, Cold Heart, which, of course, was the big hit for... Um, Panau. Uh, uh, for, for, yeah, for exactly. The Panau remix, actually. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, with um, Dua Lipa and Elton John. And boy, what a year it was for Catalog, as it yeah. is every year. Yeah. You know, and it was, uh, I mentioned uh, Dima CEO Garrett Levin said that, you know, reflecting the diversity of music and how fans listen, our analysis underscores that lists of the most played, most liked, and most requested songs by music fans on streaming services are themselves unique. So I'd like to kind of jump into like maybe the top five of a couple of these. And I'll I'll kick it off because I thought this was really, uh, really super interesting. This is from Amazon Music. This is their most requested songs via Alexa, right? So, oh boy, now mine's turned on. Okay, Um, hopefully it won't uh, start yelling at me. 
I'm surrounded by all of these uh, smart speakers, <laughs> so I have to be careful. Yeah. Sometimes they just start talking to me or themselves. Anyway, so the most requested songs, number one, we don't talk about Bruno. And that makes a lot of sense because a couple of the moods or genres on, on uh, this Amazon smart speaker, so I'll stop naming it, um, it. For a while there, it was chill music was really kind of uh, top. And then during the, uh, the lockdown, it became children's music. Uh, for mm -hmm. obvious reasons. So when I see something like we don't talk about Bruno, which is super popular among the younger set, you know, that makes uh, a lot of sense uh, for me. Um, also, there were a couple of Imagine Dragons on the, in the top 10, but number two was Enemy by Imagine Dragons, right? Mm -hmm. Number three was As It Was by Harry Styles. Number four, Easy On Me by Adele. And one that kind of surprised me a little bit was Fancy Like by Walker Hayes. I knew it was popular, but this kind of shows the diversity of the Amazon music crowd and how it kind of leans a little bit adult. At least that's what I pulled out of it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and just a shout out for that device for Alexa. I had, had uh, dinner two nights ago with two music publicists, uh, a couple of friends of ours, and he's he was talking about his, his mother, who's 96, and how important Alexa is. She's losing her vision, and oh. she was a big reader, and she's a huge classical music fan, and they got her this device, they got her an Alexa just a, a year or so ago, and it has changed her outlook, it has changed her life. She just how cool is sits that? around and, and listens to audiobooks, and then says, Alexa, play me you know, a Bach concerto and it has just changed her life. And that's so cool. It's, it's a wonderful story to hear. Jumping over to Apple Music, the top songs for them, and this is globally, number one interesting was Stay by the Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. Because mm -hmm. um, that came out not this last year. It came out some a couple of years ago. As It Was by Harry Styles, Wait For You featuring Drake and Thames by Future, uh, Super Gremlin by Kodak Black, and Easy On Me by Adele. Um, so so let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So that top five, Apple Music, compared to Amazon Music, you know, to me it sounds a little bit, a uh, little bit younger, a little bit hipper um, in, in some regards. You know, not a lot of uh, crossover with those two, except for not at all. the Adele, the Adele track. Yeah, um, I think that's super interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is interesting, and I don't know what to make of that, other than to say that it's just going to be different. I mean, yeah. Well, and let's then look you, at Pandora real yeah. quickly. So, you know, when you do uh, when you like something on Pandora, you give it a uh, you know a thumbs up. So these are the top thumbs up you know, from 2022 on Pandora and that top five, you know, wait for you, um, you know, by future. That was the one featuring Drake and Thames, uh, Provenza by Carol G to the moon, um, by junior Choi. I hate you by SZA. And, uh, do we have a problem by Nicki Minaj and Lil baby? Uh, so Pandora, you know, often gets this bad rap that it's lean back. It's people at work, just kind of listening to free internet radio, you know, ad supported, it's much more than that. And I think you can tell by the, by the, the songs that they're, they're, that are most popular there that these, these listeners are engaged. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I, I work with colleges and I'll often ask classes like, how do you listen to music? And what surprises me is a lot of them, it's YouTube number yeah. one. Yeah. Um, and um, that Pandora is, surprisingly it's not typically in in the top three but there are a lot of students who who like uh pandora 
uh, especially the ad supported on there. But I thought that was a lot younger and hipper than I would have imagined from Pandora. Yes. And then we have Spotify. This is their global top tracks. Uh, number one is As It Was by Harry Styles. Number two is Heat Wave by Glass Animals. Again, Stay with Justin Bieber by The Kid Leroy, uh, number three. And then we've got a couple of Bad Bunny tracks. Mi Porto Bonito by Bad Bunny and Chencho Corleone. And then Titi Mi, Mi Pregunto uh, by you. Bad Bunny. Well so done. so two, two Bad Bunny <clears throat> tracks uh, on the global list. And of yeah. course, you can't talk about 2022 without talking about Bad Bunny either. So no. uh, I guess no surprise there. But again, it's so interesting how, how broadly different all of the lists are. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think, let's see, there's uh, one other one on here and that was YouTube. And remember the number one music streaming platform is not Spotify. It's YouTube mm -hmm. by, you know, a mile, not necessarily YouTube music, um, but YouTube in general. Um, and so this is really the top music videos in the United States uh, from YouTube. Number one, we don't talk about Bruno. Um, I thought that was interesting. And one of the things about YouTube is, you know, you don't necessarily have to pay to have a subscription there. So the barrier to entry is very low mm -hmm. and the amount of people that use it is ridiculous, you know? So you've got, you don't, we don't talk about Bruno. Number one, um, super gremlin by Kodak black, um, surface pressure by Jessica Darrow. Um, I'll let you pronounce that. How did you pronounce that? Titi me pregunto. Ah. Oh. Yeah, I, I love it when you do that uh, by Bad Bunny <laughs> and then Wait For You, you know, by Future that we talked about. So you, there are some, you know, similarities with all of these lists, but it's really interesting to me that each digital service provider, each DSP has their own kind of personality and um, the way that they lean towards diff different genres and moods and demographics. And I'd love to see a little bit more data on this. In fact, I'm going to dig in and see if I can find a little bit more, but it's, it's interesting that they're not all exactly the same. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating actually. And, uh, and again with YouTube, you know, we've talked about this so many times. I mean, I've just, uh, there's just so much stuff on YouTube. You're not going to get anywhere else. And mm -hmm. it's, I've discovered uh, just recently, um, a, a band that I was a huge fan of back, gosh, it's been 20, 23 years ago and I actually played with them for a bit and recorded with them a little bit and of course all their stuff's stuff a band called Stick Kitty that was uh, that was they never got signed but uh, they, they they won a Yamaha Yamaha so they never got signed they never got so signed. it wouldn't be on Spotify but you nope. found it on YouTube oh it's there on YouTube exactly yeah and it's and some live stuff and some new stuff and it's like gosh YouTube yeah. <laughs> It's, it is the biggest black hole there is in terms of time suck. Oh my gosh. And that, you're not even touching on some of uh, our favorite channels like Rick Beato, where yes. you can dig even deeper and fall into that rabbit hole. And I can't tell you how many tracks I've discovered from Rick Beato. No. And he's got a great one up right now with a really good interview with, um, uh, from Smashing Pumpkins with Billy Corrigan. Nice. <clears throat> Great conversation. It's like an hour and a half. And there goes an hour and a half. Well <laughs> worth it. But, you know, it's like, right. oh my God, where did the day go? Right. Uh, yeah. So anyway, great, great article. Uh, up next, Jay, is from Rolling Stone. 23 moments that made us smile in 2022. Yeah, <laughs> that was a fun, fun article. And a lot of it isn't music. Um, and, and I just wanted to touch on a few of the, the music ones that, that I thought were interesting. Some of these things I'd kind of forgotten about. 
Um, but it, it was really interesting. One of the ones that they talked about uh, of these moments was Olivia Rodrigo covering Veruca Salt's Seether uh, back mm-hmm. in April, which was stunning. Um, and I loved hearing her do that. I loved hearing guitars back in, in some of this, uh, younger popular music and how they put it in, in this, and a lot of people, I, we, I should say that there were so many people that contributed to this article. There was like, you know, a whole bunch of them. Um, Jonathan Bernstein, uh, Charlie Cooper, uh, Brenna Ehrlich, Elizabeth uh, Garber-Paul, C.T. Jones, Miles Klee, uh, Andrea Marks, and uh, Joe Rodriguez, uh, Lisa Tozzi. So there were a whole bunch of people that contributed to this. Um, but let, let's start with uh, Olivia Rodrigo. You know, for a lot of fans of Gen X rock, <clears throat> Olivia Rodrigo's brutal already brought to mind alt-rock mainstays Veruca Salt. You know, so it kind of reminded people of that. So mm-hmm. when she covered, you know, Veruca Salt's Seether, uh, kicking off her highly anticipated Sour Tour in Portland, Oregon, it felt like a match made in grunge heaven. She thanked her mom for introducing her to the 1994 classic about rage and self-loathing. Um, and the band posted on Twitter, watching Rodrigo introduce Can't Fight the Seether to her young fans made our day. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. This uh, this one I remember very well. This uh, mentioned here is Joni Mitchell plays ah. the Newport Festival, her first full set in 22 years. And uh, and again, talking about a, 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 a YouTube moment that was that was captured on YouTube in this article, in this particular piece, it mentions in the first full year where fans returned to concerts en masse, no moment better represented the joy and unexpected alchemy of live music than when Joni Mitchell made her surprise return to the stage at Newport Folk Festival to, to, to perform her first set since 2000. She's still recovering from an aneurysm that had left her unable to sing for years. She began the set with hesitation, relying on collaborators to sing lead, but by the performances and Mitchell had played a guitar solo covering doo-wop favorites and offered breathtaking reinterpretations of classics like Both Sides yeah. Now, showing that at 79, she's far from done finding powerful new avenues of self-expression. The world couldn't help but smile. Her performance went mega-viral and became a much-needed tale of persistence, survival, and the magic of live music. So yeah. well said. And speaking and of new to us, cool. you know, we talked about earlier, just think of all the people who are now discovering her mm-hmm. due to this... Uh, news. I thought that yeah. was really interesting. Uh, the next one is Lizzo plays James Madison's Crystal Flute. That was back in October. Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh! And you know she did an amazing, um, amazing job. She was even twerking when she was doing it. Of course, you know there was a, a you know conservative pundits like Matt Walsh essentially foaming at the mouth. You know we're very upset about it. You know how dare she play this respected piece of American history and eh, play it so well. And, and also playing it while black, you know. Anyway, Lizzo is doing fine and hot off her second time being the musical guest on Saturday Night Live. As they said in this piece, suck it, Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So a lot of other non-music related things, but worth checking out. It's uh, The link is in your morning coffee and do check it out. 23 moments that made us smile in 2022 from Rolling Stone. Yeah. Uh, up next, of course, Jay from Hypebot, our good friends over at Hypebot. Why this video that is a thing, is like an official roadmap to success on TikTok. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, very interesting article. This one, uh, it doesn't say who it's from. It's just in their music marketing I think section. Bruce, I think Bruce Houghton uh, wrote this one. 
Okay, must have been Bruce. Yeah, that's right. Um, so as it starts off, th- so why this video? Uh, TikTok has added a feature des- uh, designed to take the mystery out of why a video is recommended on a user's feed that also offers creators strong clues on how to be more successful on the platform. And I always am scratching my head why this whatever was was sent to me like why in the hell did they send this to me and so as they say in this article to help people understand why a particular video has been recommended to them they are rolling out in quotation marks why this video over the coming weeks and here's how it works in the users for you feed tap on the share panel then tap the question mark icon called why this video from there you can see reasons why a particular video was recommended and uh, TikTok says that its recommendation system is powered by technical models that measure the following. User interactions, such as content that they watch, like share, comment on, and search for. Accounts they follow or suggested accounts. Content posted recently in their region. Popular content in their region. And adjusting for things that users say that they are not interested in. As uh, TikTok says, our goal is to serve a range of relevant and entertaining contents. Yeah, I I did that. I tested this out on a few um, TikTok videos, and and it was interesting. You know, basically what it comes down to is you're being shown this video because you've liked and engaged with other videos like this, or this is very popular among mm-hmm. um, your demographic or geography, or you know, it's it's some of the things were a little bit obvious. Like if you actually click on it. And then ask why um, it, uh, it says how TikTok recommends videos for you. TikTok's mission is to inspire creativity and bring joy. These are their words from when you click on that. Um, we're building a global community where you can create and share authentically, discover the wor- world and connect with others. The uh, for you feed is part of what enables that connection and discovery. Okay. And, and in this uh, piece from uh, Hypebot from uh, Bruce Houghton, he, he, there's a kind of a subheading that says a roadmap to success on TikTok, question mark. Um, a little time spent looking at the why this video feed in TikTok videos by similar creators as well as their own short videos should net some valuable insights on how to make content that is more successful on the platform. Sometimes those adjust, adjustments, I can't even speak today, sometimes those adjustments can mean piggybacking new trends, but often they're also about content length, captioning, and other factors. And he mentions, you know, piggybacking new trends. That's kind of low-hanging fruit. If you, mm-hmm. you know, jump onto somebody's bandwagon, you can sometimes grab some video views. It's challenging on TikTok because I always say that it's the easiest platform to gain views and the hardest to gain engagement. So right. if you can do something that's a little bit more original and kind of start your own fire as opposed to jumping on somebody else's, I think you can find some success with that. But, you know, a lot of these algorithms for DSPs, for YouTube, for TikTok, whatever it is, it's always interesting to hear what the platform is saying about how to optimize. And I think this is really interesting that you can now click on a little button on TikTok to see why you were fed a certain video. Yeah, it's interesting. Absolutely. And of course, as we head into 2023, Jay, we will be talking about TikTok a few times probably, right? Yeah, I mean, we have all those agreements with the majors that are coming due right now, yep. and that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And, uh, and they will it's, likely it's also be that introducing argument. 
service. Yeah, go ahead. I was say they may be introducing a certainly a streaming service, or so. Yeah, or or a new name to be determined, and not sure where it's going to happen. Maybe not here, but certainly somewhere. And yeah, uh, TikTok there. music has been rumored. You know, we'll see what happens uh, with that. But it, as you mentioned, it's going to be a really interesting year um, in TikTok news. Um, it's it's sort of like Spotify in that their publicity department is really good at getting that message out. And so there's constant, there's this constant flow of information about innovations, changes, updates within those platforms. Yes, indeed. Uh, and our last story of the day, Jay, from Variety, um, audio engineers have the ears of the artists and now a piece of the project, which is really interesting. This is by Charlie Amter. Uh, and it's talking about... <clears throat> You know, historically, in terms of, of getting uh, getting a piece of the pie when it comes to to the uh, to songs they work on, uh, audio engineers were kind of left out of the picture. It was typically producers and, of course, the artists themselves. And this article is pointing out that a lot of these uh, audio engineers, and again, we're, we're, it also is important to kind of recognize that you know, in in earlier in our careers, at, at that time. The, the lines of demarcation in the studio were very succinct. There was the producer, and the producer was the producer. There was an engineer, and oftentimes a second engineer, and they were, you know, they did their engineering thing, but never yeah. the never the, the lines were crossed. And the roles were, were defined. The yeah. roles were very defined, and that is not the case now. No. And, and it's, you know, who who is the audio engineer versus the producer, and, and so many producers are now songwriters as well and the same oh, yeah. thing with engineers you know they're they're getting involved in this so this is not a surprise really that that uh, from a from a management standpoint pe- uh, a lot of these engineers are getting managers and getting having people uh, get their yeah. get work on their behalf and things like that so yeah, they're really blurring uh, the lines right yes and, exactly and, and leave it to variety to be kind of uh, upfront on on this because it's such cutting-edge stuff and we rave all the time about variety's music business coverage you know they they talk with uh, Corey Litwin um, who joined Neil Jacobson's writer-producer-management agency, Hallwood Media, as executive VP a couple of years ago. And and he says that engineers are the new rock stars. Um, Litwin, who's based in L.A., said this, uh, you know, uh, they're collaborating with producers on beats to get the track ready for the artist, and they're making sure that the artist records on that beat and that it sounds good on it. You know, once the track is done, they may help the artist push it onto final album track lists, um, they're more like producers now, um, or they take on an A&R role. And I think as we talk about blurring lines, as you mentioned, the producer, engineer, well, producers are now, um, they're songwriting, they're artists in their own right, a lot of them. And now we're talking about some of these folks that maybe you weren't thinking about, these engineers who are creating beats that are, you know, they're the foundation of some of these songs, and they make or break a song. 
And I think this is really, really important with this new music industry. Yeah, the article mentions that most audio engineers are paid a day rate, but Litwin believes they are entitled to a lot more than working for higher fee. They deserve participatory mm. rights, too, which for a hit song could mean six-figure payouts. And, you know, the you know they mentioned the, the relationship between an artist and an engineer. And oftentimes when you're working with a producer, that producer isn't there. There's Sometimes there's a lot of work that is done with just the artist and the engineer. So they do have very much... Uh, a, a, a participatory kind of stake in a lot of these things, especially the way the industry has changed over the years. Yeah. And uh, Litwin was saying a big part of our job is talking to the other producer managers and publishers and educating them on the expanding role of engineers. We are telling these engineers, you don't need to talk about splits and money and all that stuff. We will deal with that. So we handle the business side for them and they can do what they do best in the studio. And boy, if you're an engineer, you know that that's you want somebody doing that on your behalf right and their service is valuable and it should be remunerated see i threw that word in there thank you very much and and also just to be clear what we're talking about here when they're talking about a piece is publishing we're talking Mm -hmm. about you know primarily like if you're going to help create this song um you should have a piece that of that songwriting uh credit now with producers um on the other side sometimes they will get points or a percentage of the master so there are different ways that you can make revenue um from this but i think this is really interesting and i'm glad they've got representation Mm -hmm. um because some of these engineers are more important than just following the instruction from the producer in you know getting that balance that mix right um, a lot of times they're actually helping to create the song. And in that situation, they should participate. Absolutely. And this, this paragraph here in the article says that audio engineers have especially close relationships with artists has become an increasingly key access point for managers and A&R reps hoping to get beats and songs to a specific act, supplanting or even replacing traditional A&Rs, which is... There it is. You know, yeah, exactly. And it is, you know, it's a different world, you know, outside of the labels completely. You know, what happens in the studio is certainly at times the A&R person is there. Yeah. um, But so much happens with with no label representation or input whatsoever. Absolutely. And you just hit it right on the head for me. It's it's a different world. Like if you watch the Billie Eilish documentary and you see Phineas and Billie, recording, you know, in the back of a tour bus or in a hotel room or in their bedroom. It's a different world now. Um, we don't necessarily need, to, and then I love recording studios, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but there's there's so much of this ecosystem that's been turned upside down where you can record uh, world-class uh, music um, on your own. And yes. with these engineers helping with creating these sounds with the artists as well as the producers it's not the same as it used to be it's now this new ecosystem and it's not a cookie cutter approach i think you have to look at each one of these as an individual case so in this song who helped craft this song and what was their level of participation and i think those you know that list of people whether it used to be maybe just the songwriters and the the uh, producer might get a point or two and it might be uh, the sidemen it's a little bit more complicated now and i think it needs to be addressed you know like they say in this article you know they ha- these engineers need to have rep- representation uh, producers have had representation for decades it's just a different ecosystem now it's a little bit mm-hmm. more complicated 
Absolutely. And it's just, it's kind of, it's a, a booyah base of, of, of people and, and skill sets and it's changed so dramatically. That's one of the things that has really happened over the years. So on that note, we will wrap up the episode. Boy, we thanks everyone for listening in. We also want to thank the music businesses association, Banzugo Hypebot and bands in town are super cool and hip sponsors that help us do the show every we appreciate week. it. And Jay, happy new year to you. 2023. Happy new year to you too, my friend. Happy Happy New Year to all of our listeners. We sure appreciate you coming around and listening to us every week as well. And on that note, we, on that note, I should say, we will wrap up this episode. Thanks for listening in, folks. We will see you next week on the Your Morning Coffee Podcast. You've been listening to Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news program for the new music business. Join Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchard next time for the digital music news you need to know.